0: Next on MLR Weekly, Major League Rugby Commissioner Nick Benson. John Fitzpatrick of Rugby Warning with headlines and rumors. Brian Ray of America's Rugby News with concerns about the MLR draft and what a certain team needs to do in the offseason. Rugby Wrap-Ups MLR Weekly brought to you by Sheehy Auto Stores. It's easy at Sheehy. The Pig & Whistle New York City, the world's best rugby pub. And Lean and & Limber, stretching your way to a healthier lifestyle. Is presented by rugby wrap-up matt mccarthy in new york city thank you for tuning in once again and just a quick note uh although we do this show year round we do take a break every so often to uh try to collect the few marbles that we have left spilled out on the floor and we will take the next two weeks off but we will come back on fire we promise you that uh in the meantime today's show is going to be a good one we have the Commissioner slash CEO of Major League Rugby, Mr. Nick Benson. We have Brian Ray of America's Rugby News weighing in on the draft and what old glory needs to do in the offseason. But before we get to any of that, we have our recurring segment, Rugby Morning's Coffee Break with
1: John Fitzpatrick. John, hello. How are you? What do you got for us? Hey, Matt, I'm doing well. The Emma of our hot stove league is heating up. We're stealing that for Major League Baseball because the Toronto Arrows have traded the number 2 overall pick in the 2023 MLR Collegiate Draft to the Houston Sabercats for fly half Robbie Povey. Robbie Povey is a Canadian international, he's got 13 tap caps with Canada, but Matt, you got to think Toronto is making these moves with input from a new head coach, right? They did get rid of Peter Smith just last week, there's got to be a new head coach in the clubhouse, right?
0: I would imagine that they're making these moves with the input of the head coach, whomever he or she may be at this juncture. We don't know who it is, but uh, yeah, they need to make moves.
1: They're bringing uh, Povey back to home. But Matt, before we move on, Houston now has the number two overall pick. They have the number nine overall pick. you got to think they're making these moves because they value someone really highly in the draft, right?
0: And maybe they're not done wheeling and dealing. Maybe they're going to move that two and nine to Miami for the number one. Uh, Although I don't know that executives in the league value these draft choices that highly. Uh, You know, maybe they're going to trade them for a domestic player that's of value. Who knows? They're in a good position, though.
1: Next. Well, let's talk about the draft real quick because the Miami Sharks, they do have the number one overall pick. They're building a new roster player expansion draft details are still haven't been released yet. Do you think Miami will trade that number one overall pick to another MLR club?
0: They may, but again, uh, you know, my talks with uh, the GMs in the bars and the pubs across America, they, you know, the draft choices aren't those impact impact players as of yet. So Miami would be lucky to get maybe a domestic player back that starts for that number one pick from a team that might not
1: necessarily need it. So more intrigue next. Hey, Matt, Major League Rugby announced that New England fly half Jason Contros is the 2023 Player of the Year. How about New England striking gold twice, back-to-back selections for Player of the Year? Of course, Bodine Waka won it in 2022. Now, Waka it did re-sign through the end of the 2025 season. So, Matt, I gotta ask: do You think Jason Patros will come back to New England?
0: All right, A couple of three things here. First off, I called Jason Patros the Player of the Year on the live pre-game show before the MLR Shield match in in Chicago. That's number one. So, let's get the back padding out of the way. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Number two. Patros, uh, when I spoke to him, he didn't necessarily make it a a definitive that he was coming back here next year. uh, Although he would like to, he didn't really say he was sure about that yet. And Waka, although he signed, I'm not, I haven't seen the contract, but a lot of the wording in these contracts, which is a problem for the players when they were complaining about it with the players association thing uh, is that, you know, they're pretty loosely worded and they can, end or terminate the contract. They won the championship without Walker. They don't need him
1: necessarily. Wait and see next. Uh, Wouldn't that be something else? The new England retooling for next year without Walker, but Matt, this is just the start of the MLR hot stove league. I got to imagine we're going to see a number of player trades and draft pick deals before the collegiate draft in August.
0: Yeah, we'll also see some of that salary cap stuff being bandied back and forth, right?
1: We we shall see. Salary cap considerations is the phrase yeah. that they use. Yeah. All right. What else you got for us, John? Matt, Dad said we are starting to get into the dog days of summer on this MLR already. Come back.
0: All right. All right. On that note, uh, John's, John's done, but uh, we're not going to do a recap because there was no game last week. But we are going to take a break and then come back with the... Commissioner slash CEO of Major League Rugby, Mr. Nick Benson, right after this.
2: Need a great price on a new vehicle? Sheehy makes it easy. Easy Price shows you our lowest prices on the Mid-Atlantic's largest selection. Find your best price online or at any of our 31 dealerships.
1: It's easy at
0: You need your cleats. You need them tomorrow. If you order today by 3 p.m. New York time or noon L.A. time, they can have them to you tomorrow. Young, old, male, female, if you're playing on turf, if you're playing on grass, if you're playing in the rain, you're playing in the heat, they've got you covered. RugbyNow.com. Go there now. And we are back, and we have the honor and privilege and pleasure of having Mr. Nick Benson a.k.a. the CEO slash commissioner of Major League Rugby. Welcome to MLR Weekly.
2: Awesome. Thanks for having me, Matt.
0: And let's get down to the nitty-gritty. A lot of people don't know who you are, so let's give them a glimpse. All right, on a game show, you had to say your
2: formative years mostly were spent in? Uh, Probably Kenya. So I was was an embassy brat, so I grew up all over the world. Um, I picked up rugby in Kenya. I played in England, Um, finished high school in Panama. So I was, a, I was an embassy brat. Favorite NFL team? Probably the Bucks. I went to Florida State, so they were my my hometown, closest to a hometown team that I had. So I was there when they won the Super Bowl in O2. Favorite NBA team? Not a huge uh, basketball follower, but to the extent I have one, it would be the Jazz. It's the only NBA team I've been to a game for. Astros or Rangers?
0: Astros. The Subway Series in New York, Mets or Yankees? Yankees.
2: My oh. dad was a Yankees fan.
0: All right, thanks for coming on the program, Mr. Benson. It was great chatting with you. Bye-bye. <laughs> and the last question in the lightning round, when are you moving to New York City with the HQ? Uh,
2: as soon as you uh, uh, get me get me a reservation, a uh, weekly reservation, and Peter Luger's on here.
0: Let's talk about the league now. The championship, the MLR Shield match. A, it was great. I was there. And B, are we going to keep it a shield, or are we going to go with a cup?
2: Uh, I'm a big fan of the Shield. Um, I'm a big fan of the Shield. There's a long tradition of of Shields in rugby. Um, The top 14, I forget what it's called, but the top 14 have a Shield. You have this huge Shield. So I'm a fan of of the Shield. Uh, You know, Full disclosure, the Shield was also my idea back in 2018. Uh So so I'm a little bit partial to it, um, and I know that it gets a lot of criticism out there, and I'm good with that. Um, I think it's the right call.
0: Well, I'm I'm probably one of the biggest critics of it because you can't drink out of it. And I I'm a big fan of the World Cup, the Webb Ellis World Cup and the Stanley Cup. You know, where you have those it's that thing well, at least it's not as heavy as it was the first two seasons where where it was like you had fifteen of the Seattle Seawolves pulling triceps trying to
2: hoist the the shield that first year. Remember that one? I was absolutely terrified that someone was going to drop that shield and it was going to be an end of the lawsuit. Yeah. Um, That thing was heavy. It's like we could
0: build a fortress with these things. Right? But all right, At least you can hoist it now, which is fine. And they're figuring out how to travel around with it, so that's good too. Uh, But other than that, let's get back to that match. First, uh, uh, neutral site, Super Bowl, if you will, for the league. And quite frankly, it was everything you could have asked for.
2: Yeah, we we, um, we were really happy with the event. Um, the, the big thing for us was we wanted the event to be about more than just rugby and more than just the game on the field. We wanted it to be a celebration. It's going to take some time. Um, for that to be fully adopted, um, by all the fans. Um, but you know, between the festivities outside the, the show on the field, the actual game on the field and the, the, the pregame and the postgame, I thought we had a really successful event. Um, I've got a, a laundry list as long as Jack's arm of, of like little things that, that we need to do better. Uh, there always are, um, you know, operationally and logistically, but, but all in all, it was, it was a success. A ton of credit, um, deserves, um, uh, uh is, deserving of by by the Chicago team. They deserve a ton of credit. Um they they took the bull by the horns and, and they really pushed. Uh, they really pushed for that event and they wanted to have a neutral site final and they wanted to showcase what they could do in Chicago, what Chicago is as a rugby city. Um, and they did they did a fantastic job. Uh, so we will definitely um, be building on that next year uh, where we'll hold it next year is is open. Uh, we haven't decided yet. We hope to make an announcement in the next sort of four to six weeks. Um, but we had an exclusive here. I thought we, I thought you were coming with me with an exclusive here, Commission. Maybe yeah may, maybe in four to six weeks, um, right. we can talk about that once we have that we're, we're we're putting it out to the other teams and seeing who who wants to put their hands up hands up to host it's It's a lot of work uh, but it's rewarding. I think you know, the hounds uh, gained a lot of great brand leverage uh, from the experience and market. Um, so we're excited for them, and you know we're excited for what we're going to do next year. Hopefully it'll just be bigger, uh, better, and smoother. A
0: couple of things I wanted to talk about that that aren't so fun to talk about players unionizing players unionization they didn't get the certification that they needed to uh make the stand that they were looking to potentially make what's the latest on that can you give us any information
2: uh, n- not a ton that, that i can say about that just just because of um, sort of the legal the, the legal framework U- ultimately the decision on whether or not to unionize is up to the players um you know they're going to make that decision our our concern as the league really is to make sure that um, there's a process uh, there's a process in place that allows all of them to have their voice heard in that decision. Um, that's why you have NLRB elections. Everybody gets an opportunity to educate themselves on, on, on what it means, and everybody gets an opportunity to vote on whether whether they think that's the right decision for them.
0: The college draft, the MLR draft, uh, a significant drop-off in the number of players declaring what does that tell us? What is, what does it mean? What do we have to do?
2: Well, I think that, um, so right now we're, we're at, we're, we're at 73, um, 73, uh, players have declared versus, versus 123 at this time last year. I think a lot of, uh, a lot of the Delta there, um, can be put down to a sort of, uh, our process is running a little bit later than it did last year. So we're just a little bit, a little bit behind in terms of timing. We're pretty confident that number is going to pick up by the time, um, by the time the draft actually takes place. We're also really comfortable that, that we feel that the best players out there in the collegiate system are declaring. So we're really comfortable with the level of talent that's in there. Remember last year we had 150 players uh, who declared and only 39, only 39 get drafted, right? So so I think we're, we're really comfortable with the talent level and we are really comfortable with, with the pipeline.
0: I've got friends, and this is a good problem because we've got generations now playing rugby and friends of mine are now having kids that are – draft eligible and they're asking me what they should do in terms of declaring or not declaring, what would you say?
2: I would say they should declare. There's, there's no harm in declaring for the draft. If you don't get picked, then you'll, you'll, you'll be, your their kids will be free to go out and, and join an Academy or join a team and, as part of the, the follow-up signing process. Do you talk to
0: other commissioners of the different pro setups across the globe? And do you get unsolicited advice from these folks as well?
2: I talked to um I talked to a lot of the sort of global a lot of global rugby um, sort of CEOs and, and and leaders and I think you know in, in many ways a lot of the challenges that we face are similar um rugby's rugby's a challenger sport in a lot of markets um you know we're we're fighting and we're competing for for mind share in in the US we're we're competing with you know football baseball basketball soccer cuz we're the most competitive sports market the most competitive sports market in the world, but but even if you look at the Celtic League and you look at the UK leagues, that they're they're competing they're competing with other, you know, fall or winter sports as well. Um, you know, and, and so I think we share we share a lot of challenges. Um, unsolicited advice, you know, fortunately I don't get too much of that from from that a particular venue. I, I get plenty. <laughs> Again, plenty. I don't get any from, from that particular venue, but those relationships are really important. Yeah, we were like four hours prior is to this call,
0: ladies and gentlemen. I was giving him four hours of unsolicited advice. I got notes.
2: I took notes. They're right in the garbage. Our big, hairy, audacious goal is a million kids playing rugby by 2031. Yeah. Um and, and we have a pathway. We have a pathway to get there and to get into 50,000 schools um that we've worked on over the past over the past year or so. Um, you know, really been driven by Guy hey you know, youth development officer, um, who's incredibly knowledgeable, um, and, and, and on that space. Um, so, so that's, that's, that's the pathway, right? That's the pathway to growth. At the same time, we have to work from the top down. We have to work on our media product. We have to work on our events. We have to work on capturing new fans who are already, um, you know, older and maybe are, are never going to play rugby. You know, think you a lot in of games, they got some money in their pocket to buy jerseys and come to games, but if you go to, you know, if you go to a lot of our games, you know, there's a lot of people in those stands who didn't know anything about rugby in 2018, Yeah, right? You know, um, the example I use, and this is from my time as um, with the Utah Warriors, right? Like you're sitting in those stands and a lot of those, a lot of those fans are families from the neighborhood. Right, they didn't know anything about rugby, but they're like, "Hey, there's a stadium across the street, and they seem yeah. to be having an event." So I'm gonna walk over with my kids and see what it is. And they walked in, and they had a they had a great game day experience, and they loved it. Uh, so then they enrolled their kids in the Junior Warriors program, and then they and, and you got the same thing happening in Texas, New England, you know, and and there's a template uh, for the teams uh, that have done that really really well. Um, and, and we're starting to spread that and, and make sure that we're we're bringing up. Um, those those who haven't built out their grassroots programs as well because they're newer.
0: What's the relationship with USA Rugby right now? Uh, how involved are you guys in helping find the new CEO and or stabilizing the head coaching positions for the men's 15s program?
2: Uh, we're so, so I mean I, I'm on the phone with USA Rugby Weekly. Um, I think a lot of the things that we're working on are very much shared goals. Imagine Rugby is one of those. Um you know, we recently announced the formation of a professional game board uh, as a dialogue mechanism between us and USA Rugby, which is going to be incredibly important to make sure that we're uniting our pathways, so we're not duplicating effort. Um, and so that the the pathways that we're building uh, within MLR sink into the pathways that they're building um, at USA Rugby, both, you know, through the, the the first pilot was the Hawks program that we ran in Charlotte this year uh, alongside USA rugby it was, you know USA rugby's program with, with MLR players um and you know the next steps of that are under discussion right now at the top level how do you take the the best of that talent and make sure that they're building cohesion game time and high quality minutes so that they can develop into Eagles and, and the Eagles can can obviously go from where they are right now to to, to a World Cup Well the semi semifinal. Team. The, the, bright,
0: side, the bright side of the Eagles right now is it's all so it's, it's only up that they can go.
2: So so as part of that conversation around the professional game board, we've we've talked a lot about how we cross over governance structures. Um and one of the things that, that we're putting in place is is um observer seats, you know, across our boards. Right. So that we'll have better connectivity, you know, across those issues. As far as MLR owners on the on the board of USA rugby, that's that's a question you probably have to ask USA rugby directly.
0: Last thing we have to talk about, of course, is Miami coming into the league.
2: Having a team in Miami. Yeah, Miami's such a unique market as a you know, as a Florida as a Florida college kid. Um, you know, I love seeing a team in Florida. Um, I, I used to live in Miami, so so I'm, I'm very excited uh, about what they can do there. They're going to have a special, you know, they're going to have a team. Uh, just having been at their at their grand opening event, you know that they're going to do it with they're going to do it with flair. Uh, they're going to do it with panache, and and it's going to have its own flavor. So we're incredibly excited about what they're going to build down there.
0: Yeah, it looks like it's going to be a good group that they're putting together down there. Uh, Mr. Dick Benson, I want to thank you for your time, sir.
2: Thank you very much, Matt. Thanks for having me on. Good to see you again.
0: All right. That was Nick Benson, the commissioner slash CEO of Major League Rugby. We'll be right back with Mr. Brian Ray of America's Rugby News after this. If you're in New York City and want to watch some great rugby, have some great food and some great times, go to the world's best rugby pub, The Pig and Whistle on West 36th Street. with mr brian ray of america's rugby news there's nobody on this planet that knows more about rugby than brian ray of america's rugby news ladies and gentlemen with that brian no pressure uh but how are you yeah doing all
3: right it's been a little bit uh you know wet out in here nova scotia recently but uh we're going on
0: brian we just heard from nick benson and you and I were talking off camera about the MLR draft, the upcoming MLR draft, and you had some concerns. What are they?
3: So, I mean, you know, people sometimes ask me, who do I think is going to be, you know, the top picks in the draft or whatever. And we kind of take a look at who is actually, you know, put their name in to be drafted, you know, um, and the numbers of players who have actually uh, submitted, who have declared for the draft is significantly lower than last year. Like, a little over a third uh, the number who applied or declared last year. Uh, That to me is very concerning. And I think it speaks to the current pay scale at the, the kind of the starting level of MLR. I think it's way too low. I think the owners have to sit down and actually talk about this. And uh, I think we need to see a significant raise in the salary cap and, and those, you know, a minimum, whatever the minimum level is, I think it needs to go up significantly because the top players just aren't, aren't declaring right now. We're seeing that. We saw it a little bit last year. Some of the guys, certainly the Canadian prospects who I expected to be at the very top of the draft, did not put their names in because the pay, I know for a fact, because they had well-paying jobs that they were prefer to do instead of doing that. And I think we're seeing that trend play out a little bit, even more heavy this year. And that to me is uh, very concerning. And I think that's something that uh, MLR needs to discuss. I'm not saying you have to be raking at 50 grand for these guys coming straight out of college because obviously a lot of them are very raw. They do have some, and and keep in mind, not all the guys even get signed, the guys who do get drafted, but there has to be some kind of a minimum level. That's not 15 bucks an hour, you know, going to get some job. It's equivalent of getting a regular old whatever job, right? You know, we've heard certainly concerns about that from the, uh, the players association who are looking to become a, a real union, not entirely sure where that stands at the moment, but, I kind of have to agree with them. That that bottom shelf, uh, I think they the the owners really have to kind of bite the bullet on this. I know they you know they want to stay uh you know we got to keep this thing so we can keep it going. It has to work that way. It has to be sustainable. However, at some point you have to invest in that domestic talent. If you want that domestic talent to be, uh, you know to get better, you've got to get the best of the talent that is available out there in college rugby right now, and it's quite clear to me that that's not happening right
0: now let's change gears a little bit uh we were talking to you last week about needs of say atlanta and the toronto arrows but right now brian i want you to look at old glory dc what does old glory need to do this offseason
3: Well, I think they've, uh, you know, already addressed the number one thing. Obviously, they had to find a new head coach after uh, Josh Sims has departed for Lee. They got Simon Cross in, which I think, um, you know, I I think was a great move uh, specifically because he's a defense specialist. We saw Josh Sims come in and really um, tighten up, particularly, you know, they they were a good attacking side, but he added just a little bit more, uh, maybe structure to them. They were really firing uh, on on the offensive side of things this year. They improved their defense by about, I think uh, about 10 points, a little bit more than that, uh, conceded every game, which is significant. That's excellent. But they still weren't that strong defensively. I think they were uh, fourth from the bottom. Uh, on the personnel front, I think they need to just strengthen their tight five a little bit more. I think we saw Ramiro Herrera come in, and it was kind of clear that he was maybe a little bit longer in the tooth than we maybe anticipated. Didn't really have much of an impact. So I need to, they need to strengthen uh, that a little bit. I wouldn't be surprised if Facundo Gatas wasn't returning. I thought he didn't get a lot of playing time this year. And behind that, Koi Koi Neligan, very inexperienced at hooker, so... He's got a little bit more time to develop there. He's kind of making that permanent shift uh, from Flanker. Um, So I think there's room for maybe a a couple front rowers, certainly a second row. They brought in Kyle Bailey. I would look to sign him uh, very quickly, but Appy Nicotini certainly coming up towards the end of of his career. Stan South, unfortunately, is retired. So room for another second row. Uh, back row stocks look terrific. If you know, I'd like to see Colin Gross, who played mostly at lock this year, concentrate on the back row next year, where he's you know more inclined to play it. That's where he's been selected as a blindside flanker with the Eagles squad. So uh, that's where I'd like to see him concentrating on. Do you think Corey Daniel will come back from injury? Lotardo Bavaro, outstanding. Uh, the Gemma fatnana Schultz, outstanding. You know they had brought in Langy Langi Hapiaki. They brought in Vincent Coleman in there, but then they brought in Nico Jones, who is absolutely outstanding. Whether they're going to retain. Them, I'm not sure, but obviously they'd love to do that. So I think they're pretty good in the back row. Um, but I think that tight five could use a little bit of strengthening. Um, in the backs, I think they could use maybe you know. They look pretty good. I think they could use maybe a big body. You can see threaten Palamo again getting up there, what, 30, uh, 35 years old about there. So he's not going to last forever, whether he even comes back next season or not entirely sure. So I think they could use another big body who can, who can punch holes maybe in the midfield or out wide. Um, and then, uh, you know, out wide, I think it's just a matter of getting guys healthy again. Oh, and Shihi, uh, hopefully he'll come back and Mike the is a big one. He missed a lot of the season, unfortunately. So I think they're actually in pretty good shape. For the most part, it's more about tightening up. I think a little bit more than it, it doesn't need a major overhaul. I think uh, four or five good, strong signings uh, could be could go a long way for them.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. So I've got people contacting me from overseas asking me, "Oh, so and so wants to play. He's played in the Premiership. He's played in the URC. Yada yada yada." And he's, you know, he's just past his thirtieth birthday. And the response, the cold hard truth is, well, that that would be an international slot. And expensive, and a visa, and all that jazz for players. That yeah, if it was on surf, it was on face value. That's but that's not the case for a lot of people, and a lot of folks don't understand that yet. And then when you when you hit them with, the – and they're like, oh, oh, okay, yeah, because it's different than overseas in professional rugby than it is here.
3: Yeah, it is, and I think if you can just take the free Jacks, for example, and you look at their recruitment. You know, people kind of made fun of MLR as being kind of a, you know, a, a retirement, uh, you know, victory lap kind of thing. And certainly at the beginning, some of the older players uh, that came in, and you know, they might point to Ma Ananu, but he was actually in tremendous shape for his age. But, um, but I think if you look at how the Free Jacks have recruited, a lot of their guys, they're not these retirement guys who are over pushing thirty. They're more like, you know, late twenties established guys who are just kind of missing out on on Super Rugby contracts. Guys who could very easily probably go sign, you know, uh, contracts in, in Europe, or certainly of of that standard or very close to it. Um, so I think that's kind of the trend more that, that MLR is pushing now is, is not necessarily these name guys, because let's be frank, nobody in, you know, the United States knows who these guys are anyway. So uh, it, it's more about getting the, the caliber of the players.
0: You know, another thing about D.C. or Glory D.C. is they are looking to get a different venue. They could do better than Segre, and I think they understand that. But Segre did serve its purpose.
3: Yeah, I would just agree that Segra maybe isn't uh, the best place we've seen. And it's unfortunate, right at the end of the season, we saw quite a good crowds coming in. In the preseason, they were sold out. It looked really promising. But in between there during the season, long stretches were not a great turnout. So, you know, maybe they look to that Maryland uh, soccer complex or or some other venue. But I, I think you're right. Uh, that's probably another spot that Old Glory can look to, too.
0: On that note, I want to thank you, Mr. Brian Ray of America's Rugby News, for coming on. I want to thank John Fitzpatrick of Rugby Morning. I want to thank the commissioner slash CEO, Mr. Nick Benson of Major League Rugby, and thank you for tuning in. Please check out our other shows, including the critically acclaimed The Rugby Odds, The College Rugby Wrap-Up. Hit that subscribe button on YouTube. Please join our weekly newsletter, and please sign up for our American Red Cross Flood donor team.